Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We are in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can interact with the show on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650-650. A lot to come. Yannick Hansen will join us in just a little bit as uh, the Canucks defeated their former captain and the New York Islanders last night Mm -hmm. and uh, will close out a road trip in Detroit tomorrow morning. Bright and early, we'll be with you for an 8 o'clock pregame on Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet Pacific at 8.30. Oh, I know. So it's going to be an an early morning tomorrow. So i got to get up uh, early. I'll bring the espresso and the uh, biscotti. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good call. Well, maybe no biscotti for you. No, but probably no biscotti, but I will have some <laughs> some coffee. We'll be getting, getting up early. Now, Chelsea plays at 4.30 a.m. Maybe I should just get Ooh. up by that time to watch it, so maybe I'll do that. But I'll be up early tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Should be good. Yeah, It's been a be fun good. road trip. Like, the Canucks have played well. The games have been close. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Rangers game was a uh, lower event, even though the scoring was still kind of there, but... Last night, 6-5, come back in the third period. Uh, Bo Horvat uh, continues to be a part of teams that give up multi-goal leads in games. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elias Pettersson sat. Yeah. Dominates. He did. I mean, you know, he wasn't... I don't think he and his line were great right away in the game. Like in the first period, I don't think they were great. Some moments I don't like from that line. Hence and why uh, Kuzmenko got uh, benched. Yeah, I'm not again. even sure. Yeah, I'm not even sure it was all him. But yep. yes, you know, obviously, and and that was the uh, kind of side story to yep. all the fun last night. Was oh yeah, Kuzmenko got benched again. You know, <laughs> two games in a row. Yeah, not great. But anyways, you know, we'll talk about that and what that means. Obviously, as the as the days and weeks go by here, and he has a two year contract, and I think the team is still invested in him, of course. But Elias Patterson absolutely came to life in that third period. Yeah, he was by far the best player on the ice, mm-hmm. and it was a type of performance. It wasn't just about him scoring the two goals. It was everything else he was doing. And we know that he's good defensively. We know that he's good through the neutral zone. And he does so many things well. But what he also does, or did last night, was do something that inspires your teammates more than anything. That is putting your body on the line. Yeah, he scores uh, the two big goals at the start of the third, right? Gives the Canucks the lead. And then to close out the game, has the big shot block uh, as uh, the Canucks are trying to hang on with a one-goal lead. And, you know, we teased it a little bit in the pregame yesterday. Uh, we had the power picks. You had the Bo Horvat anytime goal. You could check that one at one. And then I followed that up with, well, yeah, Bo Horvat might score, but Elias Pettersson's going to have more mm-hmm. points than Bo Horvat. Yep, another win for the power picks. Yes. And it's the idea of, well, this is sort of the official passing of the torch. The former captain going up against his old team and the incumbents taking over. Elias Pettersson's three points, gets the couple of goals in the third period. Big shot block at the end of the game. You know what he said, Sat? He said this. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. That's Elias <laughs> Pettersson. He did it. We See, we joked about it on the pregame last night. Yep. Uh, and we said, hey, could you imagine if Pettersson has a better game and he skates up to a boat on the ice and says, look at me, I'm the captain now. And he, he didn't do it with the action, but his play essentially did, right? Yes. And, you know, we were talking before the game uh, about JT Miller and how strong a game he had. And what did he say to Ian McIntyre postgame oh, about that Elias Pettersson Might shot be the, the top quote of the year from... Uh... 
from JT Miller, uh, from Ian McIntyre's article at sportsnet.ca on the Pedersen shot block. That's incredible. It's so hard to block shots as a forward six on four because they always make one more play. For PD to read that, it's motivating. It makes me want to block a shot every time. I want to go through a wall when I see our best player doing that kind of stuff. You know, and that's... We know we talk about JT and and PD and JT PD was asked about JT from Elliot and Merrick. Oh my God! Honestly, some of the reaction to Pedersen's body language from the video of that question was insane. Listen, I can't believe how much people tried to read into that very simple comment from Elias Pedersen. Listen, Dan. Not only are people armchair general managers, <laughs> what we've also learned through the past couple of years, uh, people are armchair scientists. Yes, body uh, language experts. They're 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 uh, they're, they're uh, medical yes. experts as well, and they're also armchair body language. I mean, to me, reading body language is is actually not that controversial compared to other things people are experts at without knowing anything. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> Let's I be s- honest. I saw one actually. I saw one that was like, oh, uh, I read somewhere that you know if you're like. Shaking your head while saying something, that means you're lying. And so they looked at every time Pedersen made the slightest like head shake while he was saying something. It's like, oh, see, he was lying there. He was lying. When he said, I respect JT Miller, he was lying. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if we can take that as gospel. I'm sorry, guys. But I, I just like that quote from JT is Listen, if Reddit said it, it's true. <laughs> if Reddit said it, it's true. I don't know. <laughs> it's not the bumper sticker that I'm going to go around town with. I'll say that much, okay? Um, but th- but that quote from JT Miller, all seriousness, you know, this is a team that's that's sort of trying to find its new identity. It's yeah. got a new coach. The captain's gone. Everybody kind of knows who the next guy is going to be, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, JT is you know, he's kind of pushing that to the forefront a little bit with that kind of a quote. And and maybe it doesn't end up being Pedersen, but right now, I mean, if you're putting betting odds on it, we know who the favorite is. I think organizationally, they'd love to give it to Pedersen. Yeah. And a lot of things have to happen for that to be something they do. It has to, I think the long-term commitment has to happen. And even Pedersen himself said, you know, in the answer, and he, it wasn't super clear, but he essentially said that you have to become a captain for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You can't rush into it. And also, I don't think he wants to view it as a situation where he's being named a captain or taking the moniker prematurely before his future here is figured out. Yeah. Like that's not going to be a factor in staying here or not is, is essentially the way I see that. Right. And I, and I never thought him getting the captaincy is a reason he would or wouldn't stay in Vancouver. Right. Could it be something he does embrace and take on? Potentially. Whether he stays and signs long-term has everything to do with money, number one, of course. But number two, where this team's direction is going. And as much as people don't like the wins, and they've done well since Taka took over, relatively speaking now, right? Yeah. And we'll see how long that lasts. I, I, I'm, I still have my doubts. You know, I still have my doubts about how many wins they'll have down the stretch. But, you know, they played some better hockey. But nonetheless, with Taka coming in, if there's better vibes and... JT and Pedersen are, are gaining, you know, that that leadership duo to some degree, and, and, and that's working, and maybe you buy into what the coach is selling. 
it could help, of course, that overall argument to wanting to stay here long term. So that's why as much as we get so caught up with the results, there's that side of it as well to consider in terms of trying to keep a guy like Patterson. And I don't think they're going to be well over 500 or anything, but even if they hang around the 500 mark or so, which means there will still be a 75, 76, 77 point team, still going to be a bottom 10 team, but... Um, I do think that's an important factor here, the whole Pedersen-JT Miller dynamic. And I don't think that's lip service from JT. It, it didn't feel like, uh, you know, um, it doesn't feel like lip service. Yeah. And JT, um, his game has changed. He's more engaged. You could see him continuing to try and be, uh, I, I guess, the adult in the room <laughs> at times. Yeah. Which, uh, look, in fairness, it, it has been trouble for him, you know, with his uh, temper tantrums at different moments and those types of things. But, uh, you know, anybody who listens to this show knows that I've, I've felt uh, JT's gotten a bit of a bad rap and some of the stuff goes a little bit over the top with him. And his game is really starting to come around and find itself as well. 17 points in his last 16. Um, and playing well through the middle of the ice a little bit, creating more offense, as we saw on the Brock Besser goal last night. Um, all of those things are starting to come together for JT, but you know, he knows who the best player is on this team. Mm -hmm. He knows who's going to lead the team to wins. And that's something we've talked about with this whole dynamic and narrative that JT and, and PD don't get along. JT has always known that this is probably the most important player to us winning hockey games. And so, I at the end of the day, like that that matters to me. I want to win. So he, he's always said that. I don't think JT's ever, never in, in public said that he's not the most important player. And even like Patterson said, there have been moments, and we've all heard there have been moments, right? Yes. Where that hasn't exactly it's not a been. It's not a secret. No, but it's not like the situation is so dire and toxic between them, you know. And uh, I've mentioned this before. Remember uh, when people were asking about this, um, you know, months ago when we answered from the mailbag, which is coming up later on, by the way. Ah, mailbag. The, the Friday mailbag. But one of the things that, you know, if I answered in the mailbag a few times is, yeah, yeah, there have been moments, of course, and there's no, you know, they're not best friends or anything. But the sense I get is that, especially recently, they don't hate each other. Mm -hmm. It's a professional relationship. I think both realize how important they are to the team and, and them having success. But obviously, there has to also be growth on both sides. You know, we talk about JT, who's been a far better player since the coaching change happened. Yep. And Elias Pettersson, we, we looked at him the last couple of years before this year starting and playing consistently, had his ups and downs last year, was injured the year before, but also some questions about, you know, how prepared were you coming into the season and, you know, where was, was your focus at? He's also admitted to he's had, had to have some growth. I think you're, you're looking at two individuals who both had to grow mm -hmm. and still have to grow to become the types of players this team needs to be a winner again. So I think that's part of the process. And hopefully, even now, if there's a stable time in that relationship, it has to get stronger and better long-term for them to be success successful. Uh, the other quote uh, that really stood out from this IMAC article, and it was uh, also in, uh, you know, just Tockett's post-game, I should say, but on Pedersen and the block shot, that's what leaders do, right? I talked to Petey. You don't have to be the loudest guy, but if you do it on the ice, mm -hmm. that's loud right right there. To me, that's being loud, showing your teammates, I'm willing to do whatever. He led tonight. That's what leaders do. He he did, man. And, you know, we, we're sitting here talking about Pedersen a lot, and I think absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, he was the real star of the game last night. But you've been talking and really impressing the point, especially recently, that Quinn Hughes has had a far better season than anybody's really truly giving him credit for. Yep. 
and you know we, we've had our back and forth on it that yeah i agree but you know there's also been some ups and downs this year for him and everything but you know right on time i thought last night was we talked about Pedersen, his <laughs> performance that could have been one of quinn Hughes' best games this season he was fantastic. He was absolutely tremendous, controlling the tempo of the game. And he's playing with his shield on, just broke yeah. his nose again. I mean, you want to talk about toughness and, and showing the character again? He was winning puck battles all night. And the way he was evading four checkers, like that goal uh, that Patterson scored where Bear hits uh, Besser, and Besser makes a tremendous pass to Patterson, uh, who beats Sorokin. And a lot of discussion about that Bear pass. But Bear has all the time in the world because Quinn Hughes has taken on two four-checkers and putting them on their heels and opens up a lane for Bear, moves the puck over to him. Doesn't get an assist on the play, but the only reason that that entire space opens up and that's even available to happen is because of Quinn Hughes, right? And that's the type of impact he has. You know, and when you're getting that from your back end and you get Pedersen playing the way he does, you look at, okay, like, there's more to these players. They Mm -hmm. still have a lot more they can provide. But if you look at foundationally, the guys you have to build around and doing the right things around, I think it's been a nice reminder since the boat trade has happened that these two players are worth building around. Three players in the entire NHL right now have been on the ice for more goals for than Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. All defensemen, Adam Larson, Vince Dunn, and of course, number one is Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, and Hughes just on the ice for 40 against. You know, that Vince Dunn-Adam Larson pair has been really good for Seattle this year for the most part. Mm -hmm. But to see Quinn Hughes also there and also having pretty much 60% of the goal share while he's on the ice at 5-on-5, it's massive. And his best play seems to be coming out right now. And, you know, is it the coach bump? Is it all these different types of things? I don't know. I've seen a lot from Quinn Hughes this year that I like, but he's finding the best mm-hmm. version of himself right now, it seems like. Well, under if you look at guys who are most benefiting from, you know, and honestly, it's so early. I, I don't want to do the structure thing is better. Look at this. Five games, yeah. It's five games, right? There are some things that are better. There's still a lot of mistakes that happen, mm-hmm. but what's happening is it's very clear it's individuals who are making those mistakes, the personnel mistakes. The players aren't in the right position to make the right play, and they're, they're the ones making the wrong play. And we're not quite seeing the helter-skelter defending we've seen in the past and guys trying to do other people's jobs and getting completely out of position and, and you know having fire drills in that sense. They have bad mistakes, which lead to goals, for sure. But overall, structurally, there have been some improvements. And I think having that confinement in a positive way really benefits players like Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson because now it makes it easier for them to know where everybody's going to be. Yep. And as much as they can anticipate the game, it's easier to anticipate if you have better idea of where everybody's truly going to be and what they're going to be doing. And you when you, when you want put, it to be muscle memory. Yes, exactly. And when you put great players in positions like that, when they always know their options mm-hmm. and you know which one's going to be available and what to do to make one available, you see this how play Quinn makes. You know, And before he'd do something like that, but if a guy veers out of position, mm-hmm. that play's not going to be available. So what yeah. are you doing? You're running around you know, like a chicken with your head cut off, and you look like you're not doing anything, but you're looking at it saying, where's my outlet? Like, yeah. where are you? I need somebody to be available for me. And I think you're seeing that from Quinn take advantage of that in a positive way, and that's been really exciting. And even um, you know, when, you, when you extract or think of that even more, you know, that Besser play, the pass to Pedersen, mm-hmm. right? He's just throwing the puck into an area. Yeah. And he's expecting Pedersen to, or someone, to skate onto it. Yeah. Right? And in that situation, it is Pedersen in that moment. But those are the types of things you want 
to create more of. You know, you want to be able to create those patterns so that they're there more often mm-hmm. for you in games to hit. And that's, uh, you know, something because the Canucks have always been so helter skelter the last couple of years. You know, they don't have those plays in their in their back pocket. Yeah. And I think that's something you're trying to create more of if you are Rick Tockett. For sure. Um, a lot of reaction coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Petey was good, but Besser mm-hmm. was better. I mean, Besser had his best game of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk about this team needing its best players to be good, and last night a bunch of them were, and they narrowly beat uh, the New York Islanders, who've been on a good roll recently, right? Yep. But it shows you, you know, they have to max out on their best players being good to win that type of hockey game, and I think that's going to be very difficult. And they're going to need to get, you know, superior goaltending for them to be able to get results, I think, consistently. So, I, again, I have my doubts <laughs> about how many wins they're going to be able to get. But Besser was really good last night and it was the type of performance where I can understand why a lot of fans said one of two things value's gone up find the (laughs) find the find the team now and make that deal and what I'd say to that is yes maybe the value goes up a bit but if you're looking at the value increasing that's more likely by the summer if he stays and continues to play well and get to the end of the season and the second one people said is like why trade this guy keep him yes which I'd say is don't get fooled again. <laughs> and not to say that, you know, he's not a talented player, but this team needs change. And opportunity to move players with term, they should jump on if possible for value. And don't get suckered into keeping the same guys again because you're afraid of giving something up. As long as you get value. I'm not saying give them away. Mm-hmm. As long as you get value, don't be afraid of it. Uh, there, there seems to be a notion, like as Besser's having that big game last night, that... Oh, like, you know, Canucks are trying to get rid of this guy and look at how good he is. And while, yes, I mean, it, it is true, the Canucks have yeah. been looking for a trade partner with with Brock Besser. If they were just trying to get rid of him, would it have not happened already, Sat? I, I think so. You know, I mean, the Canucks can move him. Yeah. You know, like there have been trades available for them that they can make. It's just not beneficial to you to make that trade. Right. You know, of course you could make a Besser trade. Oh, yeah, we'll take this contract back. We'll retain some salary. Like, yeah, we'll make that trade. Sure. (laughs) We're not getting much back in return. Whatever. We just want to get rid of the player. They're not doing that. They're not just trying to get rid of him to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. They would like something back. Why did they sign Brock Besser to the contract in the summer? Uh, It's If there's any criticism about the Canucks summer that bothers me, it's it's criticizing them for the Besser contract Mm -hmm. as if they had some great bevy of options to them with Brock Besser not on a deal. I agree with that to some extent, but one thing I will say is if you knew, if you had a opportunity to move him for even, let's say it's a third even, and have the cash flexibility. Should you have done that? Yeah, should you have done that given your inability to do that today? Right. So I, I do think, and I'm not saying, because I was actually, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite, because I agree with you. I said the same thing. I said, I'd rather, instead of, you know, giving you know, giving up 50 cents on a dollar, sign You had the three and, options. Yeah. You had get rid of him for nothing. Just yes. let him walk into unrestricted free agency. You had the sign him to his qualifying offer, which was $7.5 million, yeah. and really just punts it to the next year. You still have the same problem going into this summer. Yeah. And... Do a deal the, with the third term. option was you know make a compromise on a on a on a term deal. Yeah, and I mean the fourth one, like I said, would be that you trade him as an RFA, right? You know, as for anything, you know, like trade him to somebody else and let them deal with the yeah, contract. Yeah, maybe it would have been a mid round pick or something, right? And I'm not saying that could have happened, right? Or or something that you know, but 
we can't say that that's not a possibility, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, I would have not taken that possibility but then, so I'm not going to be hypocrite about it. But when you see now how hard it is to move money, you wonder and say, is the opportunity cost of not having that money and perhaps an extra pick, even if it is a bit of a later one, better than where you're at right now? Like, would you take that trade off today? And I still, you know what? I, you know, to be honest, maybe I would. I don't think Vancouver would. Like, yeah. I don't think the Canucks would take a, you know, a fourth round pick for Besser to get the, the money off their hands completely. I can't blame the Canucks for wanting to get something out of a 24, 25 year old that consistently paces at 25 goals, yeah. 60 plus points. He's flawed. He has his issues. Somebody texted and said, you know, he still had some turnovers last night. Yeah, of course. I mean, he has moments. He's not a perfect player. He has his flaws. And that's why, you know, we're here where we, we are where we are when we're discussing these things about Brock Besser, right? But you're right. He's, he's still a player that the Canucks view as either A, an asset who can play for you and score for you a little bit and give you something at least, or B, if we're moving him, we want to get something back that helps us. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a player, whether that's, you know, an asset or something, like we're not just giving this guy up for nothing. That's how the team feels about him. Uh, and uh, that's where the situation stands. Of course, uh, you know, speculation around Brock Besser will continue. Um, it's a mailbag Friday. This is not a mailbag question sat yeah but it did just come into the dunbar lumber text message inbox 650 650 uh, friend of the show david pinota writing about mm -hmm. a rumor of tyler myers to the leafs and this text comes in tyler myers to the leafs what do we think about tyler myers trade speculation yeah so you know, I was telling you guys before the show that I heard something this morning about something about Myers potentially or whatever. Yeah. And um, and I was like, I heard, but I checked in on it. And what I the sense I kind of got was maybe there have been some discussions, but nothing is really close or imminent on it. And then, you know, Dave has his information on the situation. I'd say that it's not an easy thing if the Canucks and Meyer, if the Canucks and the Leafs make a trade around Myers based on what Pignona is saying and about the discussions there. I'd say a uh, friend of the show, Irfan Gaffar, is also backed up. Uh, David Pinota, yeah, he also with the fourth period, yeah. Uh, so our guy Irf as yep. well talking about it. The thing I would say is, it's one of those trades where it's complicated because of Toronto's cap situation. Yeah. So I think it would be one of those multiple, multiple piece type of deals. You know, multiple things you're doing at the same time. You know, Dubas likes to get creative. This front office has considered a lot of creative things, even though they haven't done done a lot of them. I think they have considered a lot of them. So I and I, so I wouldn't be surprised we see these two teams come to a deal. I guess because of that, I just think it's one of those not easy ones to pull off because there are a lot of you know moving pieces to it. Because you're talking about a big salary. You're yeah. talking about a team that doesn't have cap space in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nope. And as much as doesn't want to take on money in the future really right and if they are they have to have a something a workaround for it one way or another i mean you can look at it and say it looks very appealing to just say trade kerfoot and justin hall straight up for tyler myers and the money comes off your books next season but for toronto they're all of a sudden adding a six million dollar cap hit for next season without moving anything out from next season yeah so it would have to be some retention involved, obviously, mm -hmm. right? And then what else would have to come back? And do we use players in LTIR potentially? And so, Man, so, you're losing me right now. This is like, That's what I'm saying. There's I, like 17 layers to this cake right I just now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So my point being, <laughs> yeah. when I looked into it, and not to say that, again, I'm not disputing anything they're saying because I think they're absolutely legitimate in saying yeah. they're having discussions. I just think it's one of those that a lot of moving pieces to it, and that's what the complication, where the complication lies. But certainly there's definitely something there. Uh, so that is 
the latest on that since you were asking. Uh, we appreciate the texts and the questions, as always, to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. 650-650, continue to get those in. Coming up, Yannick Hansen, our Friday analyst, joins us next on Canuck Central. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Yannick Hansen coming up in a few minutes here on Canuck Central. Our Friday analyst always bringing some uh, great takes to the show. Uh, we were just talking about Tyler Myers. A few texts coming in on that. Uh, the Myers trade would need the Furland magic bullet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could. <laughs> Uh, Michael Furland, yes, uh, often forgot about contracts, still on the Canucks books in LTIR, is expiring at the end of this year, is not insured, so the Canucks have been paying it while he has been injured as well. But uh, yes, not out of the realm of possibility that that could be a trade asset for a team looking to grow their LTIR space in hopes of uh, adding a player at some point before the deadline. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, it's... The Canucks, I believe, and we talked about this before, are open to pretty much everything outside of Pedersen and Hughes, yeah. which we discussed. And it wouldn't surprise me that we get to the deadline and the Shen deal, which we're anticipating happens, happens, and then something else happens. Yeah, you know, it's not exactly you know a hot take or anything here, but yeah, maybe something we don't expect, at least by the deadline. And if the Myers something, if it's something around Myers happens by the deadline, I think that would be somewhat unexpected because that's always seemed like a more realistic offseason move. Uh, Brandon in Vancouver, the biggest issue is Myers is a bad player and Toronto is a smart team. I mean, that's a good point by Brandon. The one thing I will say is there are no right-hand defensemen in the league almost. Yes. And Justin Hole's really bad. Yeah. You're not even going to sugarcoat it? Poor guy. He's just like... He's just not very good. And I, I think... That guy's Ma- just really bad. He's just I'm not sorry. very good. He's just not but, very good. I mean, we have Mac here as an intern, and I, I think even he would admit that Justin Hole's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, he's not very good. He's saying yeah. he's okay. Maybe he's a bit kinder to him. But he's not very... Like, I don't think he's somebody you can really rely on. And Myers has his problems, but come the postseason and when the game changes... Not only is his physicality there, he does a good job of, of taking on and being able to keep power forwards from the outside. Yeah. And if you're looking at unique players for certain matchups in the postseason, I can see how a team actually would view Myers as someone who can help you in the playoffs. If he plays in the third pair and you match him up against other big players and big power forwards. Like, I think there is something there. We saw him essentially nullify Alex Tuck when they played against Vegas. Um, he had his problems, Myers, but I thought he played really well for his standards, and there are tangible benefits he brings. The biggest issue with Myers has been his contract. Yeah. If Myers wasn't making the money he was making, the Canucks would have moved him before. And even, you know how we talk about, you know, they could have moved Besser if they wanted to? I think they can move Myers if they really wanted to as well. 
you have to take something back you don't want to. Yeah. But I think there are teams that said, yeah, if you have a bad contract that, that maybe has three years left, do you want to take that? Vancouver's mm-hmm. like, no, we're good. We'd rather just <laughs> hold on to this guy. Well, and if you just wait it out, you know, especially exactly. at next year's deadline. So I do believe as much as he's struggled this year and he has his issues and he is overpaid, I think there's always been more value there and there's been more perceived value there than we've, I think people actually know. Right. And I I don't disagree. You know, if I think back to the bubble playoffs, not that I often uh, like to do this, but uh, (laughs) Myers was like, I liked Myers a lot. You know, he, he played with a nastiness that he does not play with during the regular season. Um, did also have 24 penalty minutes in 10 yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. So that's not the best. But you know, some of those were uh, he's big and other guys are not as big. And he got uh, some soft calls, if I do remember correctly, because of that. But, you know, especially for a team like Toronto, it needs to be a little bit tougher in, in, in the postseason. Uh, I don't think that would be the worst avenue to take um, at the right price if I were them. Yeah. But uh, obviously a lot of hoops to go through. Uh, okay, I wanted to touch on Andre Kuzmenko. Sat mm-hmm. um, benched in two consecutive games. Uh, does not play much at all yesterday against the New York Islanders. You're starting to wonder about the new coach, maybe having a different look, a different view of Andre Kuzmenko. Maybe too early. But uh, let's maybe ask our next guest. It is Yannick Hansen who joins us every Friday here on Canuck Central. This analyst is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Thanks for this, Yannick. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, fantastic. The sun is out. It feels like spring is around the corner. What could be better? Uh, all right. So, um, Andre Kuzmenko benched two games in a row by the by the new coach. Uh, w- would you be worried about the player who just got uh, a new contract from the team, or do you see what Rick Tockett is trying to get to with this player? Yeah, that, that's obviously not something you want to see because he's been uh, one of the the brighter spots this year. But but again, we we've been talking about uh, oh somebody please hold these guys accountable, please mm-hmm. make sure this and that, and maybe this is the start of it. Um, uh, benching guys, sitting guys, um, and again, the first step is is sitting guys out ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Um, next step, when you really need to start thinking about it, is if he's missing out of the lineup and a, and a healthy scratch all of a sudden, then I'd say it, it raises flags. Uh, right now, it, it's it's more of a touch and feel uh, coach between players, uh, stuff like that. Um, again, he's obviously trying to implement. Um, his style and the way he sees this team playing the way he wants them to play. And it's a very powerful tool um, sitting guys like this. It might not mean much sitting 10 minutes here and there, but when the, when the game are on the line and you're used to playing and all of a sudden you're not playing, um, it, it sends a message, um, not just to the player, because everybody is aware of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so hopefully it's something that they'll pick up on and, and it doesn't go go any further than this because um, again you'd, you'd like Kuzmenko to continue the same path again you can't be a, a liability defensively um, but but again be creative from a you know teammate perspective and from an overall cohesion perspective when a new coach comes in and he does this right away the way he does how powerful is it in terms of everybody understanding the message and you know what the standard is 
Yeah, it, it all comes down to the follow through, and again, if it if it leads to somewhere, because um, if you just keep rotating through, and then a couple of games from now it'll be JT Miller, and then it'll be Garland, and then they just kind of cycle through it, and nothing really changes, then nothing. But if if it's somehow some way it gets these guys in line, and and they start playing the right way, taking care of the little plays like he's been talking about, uh, being proud of getting the pucks out, uh, blocking shot and all these things, um, then yes, it's good. But but if it's just something, okay, it happens to me now and now it happens to you and we're right back uh, in our lines anyways, getting our minutes, um, then it's like one of those things where we talk about the buttons you can push. And this is a very subtle button, um, sitting somebody from... Uh, for a little bit in the third period here and there, uh, but but again, guys guys uh, take notice of it and and hopefully it'll get them dialed in like like we said and and start uh, playing the right way. Uh, we've been uh, joking uh, a little bit here in this first hour that uh, last night Elias Pettersson was kind of saying, I'm the captain now, <laughs> uh, going up against Bo and, and the Islanders and the big game that he has, the big shot block at the end of the game. Um, even Rick Tockett talked about it afterwards saying, you know, leaders don't always have to be the loudest guy, but you lead on the ice and, and having a big shot block like that, that's that's kind of what leaders do. Uh, are, are you noticing uh, something more from Pettersson in these last couple or is this just who he is? I think he's been uh, he's been flirting with uh, being a phenomenal player this whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there is still some maturity. Um, I, I wouldn't even uh, put consistency on an issue on him anymore either, because it seems like he's good every night. And even when he's having an off night, he finds way to contribute. Um, so, so again, uh, he is uh, he is there where you're thinking, okay, if he takes another step, he will become a superstar. He will become the the number one center. We talked about a year and a half that we were really hoping that if he can come back to where he was his rookie year, maybe he can, like he, he's on the word to that now, where when you're talking about Vancouver and you're looking forward, and it's like, okay, we got to put a team together here. Um, we don't need to worry about a number one center anymore because mm-hmm. we have him and, and hopefully for the foreseeable future. JT postgame uh, mentioned to Ian McIntyre that when they see when you see your best player block a shot and put his body on the line the way uh, Pedersen did, that everybody else wants to run through a wall and do the same thing. And especially JT himself said he would do that. He wanted to do that after seeing Pedersen block that shot. I mean, what do you say to that? And also, is it is it you know something that inspires teammates when your best player does that? Uh, yeah, it's what's been missing. I mean, we just saw Tampa. Um them winning a couple cups and again that's what you saw from from Stamkos and Braden Point and Victor Hedman and all these guys they did everything they could to win not just on the offensive side on the puck but on the defensive as well Um, and again when when you see that from those guys in this case Petey blocking this shot uh, next game if whoever it is comes out and, and gets out of the way flamingos a little bit doesn't try to get it 100%, it's very easy for, for, for Rick Dawkins now to go in and say, hey, you got to block that shot or you're not playing. Because look at who else. The other guys are doing it. Your your leaders are doing it. Then it becomes much, much easier to, to hold guys accountable. It's when PD, uh, JT Miller, uh, Bo Horvath, it's if these guys aren't doing those little things, it gets harder to hold the other guys accountable that should be doing it no matter what. Like, again, uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need to see PD blocking bombs all the time. I don't want him on. on the, still don't want him on the penalty kill doing this on a consistent basis because I'd prefer him to score the goals. But again, he's out at the end of the game. He needs to be blocking shots as well. And it's good to see that he's not um, 
timid about it or, or look like he wants to block it, but he don't really want to block it. So it's it's good to see, and it it gets a lot easier. And when you see that on the bench, it's like, okay, no, I'm I better not get out of the next one either. They're uh, they're, they're still giving up goals at at an alarming rate, but they are uh, they are winning a couple here. Um, are, are you seeing anything new with the new coach? Uh, now you, we're getting a little bit more of a sample size with Rick Tockett. No, it's, it's still the same. Like the, the defense is not, is not good enough. And we talked mm-hmm. about this. No coach is going to come in and fix this. It, it needs to get fixed in the off season through trades, through signings, to moving guys around, whatever it is, they can score and they can win games on that account. Um, but we can keep giving up four or five a night, uh, like, like it's very, very hard to compete in this league. Um, we never questioned their off- offense. It's still there. Um, it looks like Bovillier is going to fit in nicely. Um, he's got some jam, not afraid to play in front of the net. Um, so on that account, I don't think you lost that much in, in that sense. But, but again, you're until you shore up the defensive side of the game, I think it's going to be hard to judge this team um, because they will have games like this where you're you're playing a phenomenal offensive game and you find a way to win a game that, that you probably shouldn't have. Um, but but again, it boils down to is it something that you can do uh, for the longevity of a season? And, and obviously, it's not something you can do. So so until the, the defensive side gets shored up, and again, Demko is hopefully back soon. But again, I, I also don't want it getting masked up a little bit mm-hmm. like it probably did last year by having a, a Vesna quality goaltending uh, playing behind the average, below average defensive team because um, it can make you think that you're almost there. But again, he goes out and, and then we see what we got. So mm-hmm. uh, again, find a way to, to, to get dealt with this somehow, some way, and then let's see what we got. Well, because, I mean, one of the things, you know, you could make the case that, yes, they've been in position better in terms of their structure, like they're not out of position as much. But what they're really struggling with is even if they're in the right position, Yannick, they're not actively defending in those positions. They're still not making the right decision. Like, like for instance, uh, the Bo Horvat goal uh, where Barzal feeds and Barzal beats Bavillier down low. And that has forces Burroughs by the side of the net to kind of take away that pass or try to take away that pass. And then Dries, he's in the right spot. But then he doesn't quite react to uh, Bo Horvat getting open, and he's late reacting to it, and he scores. Now, I know that's a tough play. Good players making good plays. But even other decisions you see where guys in the right spot but late to react to the player in front of them. So as much as, yes, the structure might be better, if the players can't actively defend, does it really matter? No, and, and that's what we're talking about. Like, in better teams always want to play one-on-ones because you tend to beat your guy one-on-one, and the weaker teams want to gang up on you, if you will, so. Um, so until you win your one-on-ones, you don't get out muscles, um, you know your positioning and all these things, you're going to be at a loss most night. And I agree with the the, the fact that the good plays, good players make good plays. And again, you got to tip your hat some of these times. Um, but again, it's too many were mm-hmm. out of position, bad decisions, um, going forward when you should be going back, not pinching, not covering for a defenseman who's pinching. And these little things that are reads that are, okay, I'm going to take myself out on an offensive situation here because I'm covering for my defenseman that pinching. Um, and then again, I'm, I might not, nothing might not happen, but again, it might. Uh, and it's these things where you're putting the team in front of yourself in, instead of vice versa. Um, and, and again, it's, it's easy to point fingers when goals get scored at, at this rate. Um, but but there are obviously more than just systems and positioning and 
and what you will going into to the fact that uh, we're swallowing goals at this rate. Um, Rick, Rick Tockett made a comment after uh, one of these games here in the last couple of days. Uh, we need to develop more wall guys and we need to develop more inside guys. Uh, what, what do you think the coach means by that? Well, wall guys, we, we did that in the minors uh, religiously. Um, Scott O'Neill would have uh, pucks on the face-off dot. We would be standing on the other side. And then he would hammer slap shots around and we'd have to pick them up off the wall and then chip them out. Um, that's working the walls in your own end, uh, getting bounces that comes around the glass, uh, handling them, putting them down, using your feet, using your stick, uh, sometimes under a little bit of pressure. Sometimes we're leaving in the middle to the center. Um, again, that's, that's the boring side of the game, if you will. But those are the little plays that the puck gets out over the blue line. I pick it up on the half wall and I get it out doesn't get turned over we get um, pressure relieved and all these things again playing on the inside um, mm-hmm. that's where the game is won uh, in front of the net our net their net um, and through the middle whoever can dominate or control that part of the ice tend to win games um, so again it's always um, a little harder it hurts a little bit to play in traffic mm-hmm. um, but, but until you find yourself there, and again, we've had Bo here for a long time who's really strived in that position, and we've seen what type of player he can turn into because of somebody who is willing to play in front of the net, tipping, getting greasy goals, playing in the slot, playing with the back to the play, not knowing what's happening all the time. Like it, It's not an easy place to play, but again, it can be a very, very rewarding if you're willing to go in there. And it's, you're going to take a little bit of a beating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's, uh, it's where the goals tend to be scored. Yeah, maybe not as much of a beating as, as the past, although we get to the postseason, the game changes, you know, uh, immensely. But, you know, to that point about, you know, how the team is playing at times and how they're responding as a group. And, you know, I, I watched the team. I watched, um, you know, players like Vasily Putkolzin, for instance, who I think is going to benefit from playing uh, under Rick Tockett because it seems Tockett really likes him and that young guy needs confidence. So I think that can work. But when we talk about developing wall guys, that's something that... Uh, that talk had mentioned an inside guys, and we we know put Coles is one guy. Can Dakota Joshua develop into somebody that's better along the walls? This organization does believe in him. He has one more year left on his contract, and even the coach liked the fourth line last night. He can skate, he can hit, he's got a decent hand, but he's not great along the walls always. Is that something a guy like him, who's still you know in his in his mid to late uh, mid twenties, can kind of figure out and become? Well, I'd never played on the walls either in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I landed in in, uh, in Winnipeg uh, in the AHL, um, it, it was red line and, and in for me uh, for the first 15 years of my hockey career. So it, it's the part of the game that's easy to develop. It, it's boring as hell. Like I said, the drill we did with, with Scott Arneal uh, rimming it around, mm-hmm. it, it's one way to do it. But, but it just takes repetition, repetition, repetition. To, to know, and again, you're doing it in your own ring. You're practicing in Rogers Arena all the time. If you're left wing or right winger, you know exactly the bumps on the boards. If you do these drills all the time, you know the little kinks. You know where the pucks are coming, um, and it, it gets so much easier. But it's just it's doing it, and that's why like you do this stuff in the minors when you have time, when you have an extra half an hour, 45 minutes, after practice where you don't care about having to catch a plane or go wherever they will, or the coach doesn't want the whole team on the ice and all these things. Um, that's kind of where you do it. But it, it's one of those things that you can never um, not 
getting good at because it, it's so simple. It just requires repetition, uh, picking it up with your feet, uh, bounces, whatever it might be. Um, but like I said, it, it requires a little bit of commitment. It requires uh, probably in, in the NHL asking a coach to, uh, to work on this with you. Um, but again, if they're willing to do this, then I'm sure there is one of the 10 coaches they have uh, on their payroll can go out and hammer pucks around over whatever it is they want, to, want them to working on. Uh, like I said, when, when, when we were really good with the, with the face-offs as well, we had coaches coming out to just drop pucks, pucks for the centers. And that's another thing that you can work on uh, as well. So all the, all the avenues, all, all the resources are there for them to get good at this. But again, if you're willing, not willing to put in the work, then so be it. Uh, we often talk about this whole new coach bump thing, and uh, you know we started talking about Kuzmenko, and and maybe Brock Besser is is enjoying the new coach. Does does just kind of like everybody through the roster be like, well, I got to get in this guy's good graces, and 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 that's sort of how the coach bump is created. Yeah, it, it is like you're you're on your tiptoes, uh, making sure you you get in and find a groove, and hopefully stay in the spot that you're happy with, and all these things. Um, Again, everybody want to start off on a on a good note with a good coach, uh, getting his good book. You don't want to be sitting out, uh, forgotten about, if you will. Um, so, so again, you, you talk about the bump, and again, you play a little bit better, everybody. And oftentimes, that's really all you need because the margins uh, between winning and losing in the NHL is, is so slim. So all of a sudden, you have a full team that does just a little bit extra. And, and it's enough to, to push them over the top and then winning more in these games than they're losing. You know, Yannick, before we let you go, uh, Patrick Kane said something today that made me think about uh, you and you guys on the team that played through your era. He mentioned that he was a bit disappointed that uh, he couldn't hide his disappointment that the Rangers traded for Tarasenko because Rangers were one of the teams that he would be willing to go to. And he's had some injuries. And, you know, it's no secret that the team has asked him to get traded by the deadline to help the team get something back in return. He'd love to do that. But obviously, there's a short list of teams that we, he would like to go to. And, you know, you didn't want to go anywhere. And you talked about this before the team approached you and you said, OK, you know, I'll go. Uh, we knew no Burroughs wanted to do the same thing. And he said, OK, fine, I'll go. And Bieksa did. But, you know, we also saw a situation with Dan Hamhuis when you were his teammate where it wasn't so easy, even though the team was trying to trade him. What is it like when it's not easy, when a player says, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure I want to play ball? Yeah, it, it's also the difference. What are his thoughts going forward? Is he looking to play more? Is he mm-hmm. looking to contend? Uh, like, like I, I felt like when Vancouver traded me, I had many, many years left, and I'd love to spend them in Vancouver. It obviously turned out I didn't have that many more left. Um so it's it's uh, you get familiar with where you are. You like where you are. You're maybe you have a family. You're not willing to go traveling, try new places, and all these things. Um, and again, some of these players have earned the right. Patty Kane, of of course, is one of those that if he does not want to leave Chicago, he he has every right not to do that. Um, again, does he want to chase another Stanley Cup? He has to leave Chicago. Chicago is not winning another cup while he's. Well, he's playing probably. So, so again, it's one of those decisions where, yeah, it's bittersweet because he's been there his entire career. And he's achieved pretty much everything you can as a hockey player with that with that club. And is he willing to uproot now and 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 try to chase somewhere else? Um, again, it's it's very very individual as to what uh, every guy's goal and dreams are at at that point. So it, it's hard to pinpoint because it really comes down to the individual. Uh, 
Yannick, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. What's uh, what's the go-to Super Bowl snack? Chicken wings, pizza? What, what, what are we going with? I'd like a, a big bowl of nachos with just about everything there. <laughs> awesome. Sounds awesome. Uh, well, enjoy it this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Uh, there is the great Yannick Hansen joining us here on Canucks Central. Yeah, it was always great chatting with Yannick. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about the trade deadline. I mean, there, there are players that always say, okay, fine. And there are guys that say, I'm not sure. Yeah. And, you know, Patty Keane is interesting because he's kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this, <laughs> but I want to do it to help you guys out. But now the Rangers aren't going to be yeah. there, so I'm not quite sure I really want to do this. Like, like uh, yeah. there, There's only certain teams I would want to do this for, oh, yeah. and the Rangers may have been one of them. Yeah, like I know, like for instance, when Vancouver had Dan Hamhuis, yeah, they actually had a you know, they had a couple offers that were really interesting. Ooh, very interesting. Like and really interesting. Like very interesting. Oh, and and maybe interesting because of what the player players or player turned out to be down oh, the road, okay. right? Like you know, prospect wise or whatever. But if a player doesn't want to go there, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, he's got the no trade protection. What can you do? What are you gonna do, right? Like and. And, you know, I know Lyndon and Benning were widely criticized for not being able to get Ham Hughes to wave. And there was some, you know, legit criticism there to some of it for sure. But, um, yeah, there, there was a couple of places that he could have been traded to and it uh, didn't quite work out. There's also one, though, and it doesn't always work out. There was one one rumor that it was Marco Dano in a first from, like, Winnipeg or whatever. Marco Dano? Dano, yeah, oh. Dano. And a first was one, but Dano didn't turn out to be anything. No. And, you know, Chicago ended up making that deal for somebody else, I, I think it was. That was one rumor out there that maybe mm-hmm. they would have done that for, for Ham Hughes. But that's not the one they, they may have missed out on. Although a first-round pick's always nice. Uh, yeah, Marco Dano definitely did not end up working out, though. No. Uh, all right. It is Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. This is uh, Canucks Central. Um, coming up, the mailbag. Your questions for us here on the show. That's next on Sportsnet 650.